We're in John's Gospel, working our way through, leading us up to the time of Good Friday and Easter. This series will take us through the next several months. We're in John chapter 1, still working our way through John chapter 1. The introduction that that John gave us into his Gospel. In observing God's creation, I have noticed that all robins are the same. They look the same. They sound the same. They act the same. Watch how one robin acts and you'll know how all the robins act. The same is true for the white-tailed deer or the gray squirrel. One deer moves like any other deer. One squirrel chatters like all the rest. Observe how one acts and you'll know how all the others will act. Until you come to humans. (laughs) You can learn all about one person. Know them inside out. Observe their behavior. Notice their habits. But the next person you meet is going to be completely different. There's no two people that are alike. Some people are easy to be with. Pleasant and kind. You enjoy their company. Other people are stressful to be around, moody and unpredictable. And you find you'd rather avoid them completely if you could. I'm sure none of you are like that. (laughs) But maybe you know somebody who's stressful to be around. I had an aunt who was like that in the evening After a couple of drinks, she'd be laughing and shouting out loud, having the time of her life. She thought everything was funny. But in the morning, watch out. (laughs) She'd snap at you and snarl. There was many a morning when Big Carl and I both snuck up the back stairs to avoid Aunt Frida. Our husband was Uncle Ed. Strange thing sometimes how that works out. He was just as easygoing, always pleasant. I followed him everywhere he went, and he was glad to have me alongside. And whatever we were doing, he was teaching me about life. He was the best person I ever knew. I remember he was going to buy a camper so that they could travel after he retired. So he asked Aunt Frida, this one's really nice, do you like this one? She said, I'm not going to tell you if I like it or not. He said, well, why not? And she replied, if I say I like it, I can't complain about it later. (laughs) Some people are stressful to be with, no doubt, huh? And some are not. Last week, we were told by John that when Jesus came into the world, he was hard to recognize. That is, he looked like any ordinary human being, plain and unremarkable. The Bible even comments that there was nothing in him that was comely or attractive When you see a painting of Jesus, a picture somebody's painted, and you see a 
strong jaw and a handsome fellow. That's not what he looked like. It's not who he was. So people didn't recognize him for who he was. And for that reason, God sent a man, John the Baptist, to point him out. And to prepare the way for Jesus and clearly identify him for who he was. Now John the Baptist was a very unusual character. He wore camel skins, which are not very comfortable. He ate locusts covered with wild honey. He lived alone out in the wilderness. So naturally when he started baptizing people over in the Jordan River, he drew a lot of attention. And so it was that the religious leaders of the day over in Jerusalem sent a delegation over to John the Baptist to ask him if he actually was the coming Messiah. So we take it up in John chapter 1. I'm starting reading at verse number 19. John 1, verse number 19. This is the record of John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who art thou? And he confessed and denied not, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, What then? Are thou Elias? And he said, No, I'm not. Art thou that prophet? He answered, No. And they said unto him, Who art thou, that we may give an answer to them that sent us? What sayest thou of thyself? And he said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness, Make straight the way of the Lord, as said the prophet Isaiah. And they which were sent were of the Pharisees. And they asked him and said unto him, Why baptist thou Tithes thou then, if thou be not the Christ, nor Elijah, Elijah, nor neither that prophet? John answered them, saying, I baptize with water, but there standeth one among you, whom you know not. He it is who is coming after me is preferred before me, whose shoe latchet I am not worthy to unloose. These things were done in Bethabara, beyond Jordan, where John was baptizing. And the next day, John seeth Jesus coming unto him, saith, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me cometh a man which is preferred before me, for he was before me. I knew him not, but that he should make manifest to Israel. Therefore I am come baptizing with water. And John bare record, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and that bowed upon him, and I knew him not. But he that sent me to baptize with water, the same said to me, Upon whom you shall see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, the same as he which baptized with the Holy Ghost. And I saw and bear record that this is the Son of God. Now you can't say it any more plain than that. John pointed at Jesus and he said, Right there, that's the one who I said was coming. That's the promised one. He is the Son of God. So these priests who were sent to question John and these Pharisees went back to Jerusalem to give their report. When they got there, the question asked, Is John the Baptist the Messiah? They said, No. He said he wasn't the Messiah. Well, who is he then? Well, he said he was the voice crying in the wilderness. The same voice that Isaiah predicted would come to prepare the way for God. Well, then what did he say? 
he pointed out this fella. And he said, there he is. That's the son of God. Well, who did he point to? It was just some peasant. Some plain, ordinary fella. Believe me, he wasn't the Messiah. And that was it. The priests and the Pharisees said, no, he can't be the Messiah. He's not the Messiah. Those very same people, three and a half years later, were the Pharisees and priests that were yelling, crucify him, crucify him. He claims to be the king of the Jews, but he's not, so crucify him. It's amazing that John the Baptist so clearly pointed out Jesus, said that's the Son of God, and they just didn't believe him. But the real story actually begins the same day that happened. The same incident. John the Baptist, right there by the Jordan River. There were some people in that crowd who heard John the Baptist say, that's the Son of God, and they believed it. So verse 33 Actually, verse 35. Again, the next day after John stood and two of his disciples, looking upon Jesus as he walked, he saith, Behold, the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned, saw them following, saith unto them, What seek ye? They said unto him, Rabbi, which is being interpreted, Master, where dwellest thou? He said unto them, Come and see. And they came and saw where he dwelt, abode with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. These two men were followers of John the Baptist. Like many others, they came to see John the Baptist, and they just hung around with John the Baptist. He's a pretty exciting guy. One day Jesus came walking by, and John said, Look, there he is. That's him. And these wide-eyed two men looked at John and they looked at Jesus. And John said, yeah, go. Go now, go. So they followed Jesus. It's, a, it's kind of a funny story. They're following him, staying back a few feet, trying to be unnoticed, walking behind him. Finally, Jesus said, can I help you? <laughs> they said, well, we just wondered where you were staying. Jesus said, well, it's four o'clock. Why don't you come with me and spend the night? So these two men went and spent the night with Jesus. Now, one of those men, we're told his name was Andrew. Andrew, it says, went and found his brother Simon. And he said, now you got to come and see. We found the Messiah. We know who he is. Come and see. So Simon came to see Jesus. And Jesus talked with him the same night. And Jesus said, I'm going to give you a nickname. I'm going to start calling you Peter. 
verse 43. The following day, Jesus would go forth to Galilee and findeth Philip, saith unto him, Follow me. And Philip was of Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. So now it's been one evening and early the next morning. Andrew and Peter and Philip and whoever that other man was, four men have been convinced now that Jesus is the Messiah. The other man who is not named here we know is John. He's the author of this gospel. That's how we know it's him, because he never tells who he is. He always keeps himself behind the, the lines. He hides himself when he writes. So we know that these four men, Peter and Andrew and John and Philip, all met Jesus that night. Now, use your imagination. What do you think happened that evening? When Andrew and John spent the night with Jesus, what was it like to spend an evening with Jesus? John is going to describe what it was like back in verse 14. He says, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So we were eyewitnesses. God's Son took a human form, and he came down to earth, and we knew him. We observed him. And my description of Jesus is this. He was full of grace and truth. Now be careful. Be careful here. Right away, some fancy theologian is going to give you the definition of grace. His definition will be that classic one that we all know. Grace is the unmerited favor of God or God doing something for you you don't deserve. But I don't think that's what John is talking about. I don't think that's what John means. My mother had good words. She had a special word that she used. If we visited somebody, and they were kind and pleasant, when we got in the car and left, she would say this, those people are very gracious. It comes from the word grace. Gracious does. The dictionary defines gracious this way. To be gracious is to be kind, courteous, charming, compassionate, especially kind to people who are inferior. What made them follow Jesus home that night anyway? Why were they sneaking down the road behind him, following him home? Something about the way he acted, something about his mannerism was attractive and even inviting. And when they spent that first 
evening with Jesus. He was charming. He was easy to be with. It's particularly unusual because Andrew and John are just a couple of fishermen. Nobody special. And as soon as Jesus meets Peter, he gives him a nickname. That's a very personal thing to do. Jesus has a magnetic personality and you want to be with him. He's full of graciousness and truth. He seems to really like you and he means it. It's not fake. He really does like you. Now Jesus said had plans to go home back to Galilee. So he finds Philip. He says, hey, I'm going back to Galilee today. Why don't you come along with us? Andrew and John and Peter are all coming. Why don't you join us? So Philip is drawn to Jesus. He can't say no. He's got to go. He just has to go with Jesus. Now watch this. Verse 45. Philip findeth Nathanael and says unto him, We have found him of whom Moses and the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said unto him, Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip saith unto him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him, and he saith unto him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom is no guile. Nathanael saith unto him, Whence knowest thou me? Jesus answered, said unto him, Before that Philip called thee, when thou was under the fig tree, I saw thee. Nathanael answered and saith unto him, Rabbi, thou art the Son of God, thou art the King of Israel. Sitting under a tree was a very Jewish thing to do. All through the Bible, if you watch carefully, you find all sorts of people sitting under trees. Prophets, Elijah was sitting under a tree. Judges, Gideon, sat under a tree. Kings, David, sat under a tree. The whole idea was you sit under a tree, because that's the best place to do business with God. Sit under a tree and pray. Sit under a tree and meditate. Sit under a tree and make a promise. And think about life while you're sitting under the tree. So Nathaniel is sitting under a tree, following the example of all the Jews of the past history. He's sitting under the tree, and he's probably having a conversation with God under the tree. And Philip comes up and says, we found the Messiah. We know who he is now. He was pointed out to us. It's Jesus of Nazareth. Nathaniel says, well, I live the next town over, a place called Cana, not far from Nazareth. Nazareth is a crummy town. <laughs> it's a horrible place. Can anything good come out of that place? And Philip says, you have got to come and see. 
I want you to come and see. So Jesus meets Philip and Nathaniel as they're coming up to him. Jesus says, an Israelite in whom is no guile. You're a truthful and an honest man. Now he called them an Israelite because that's what they had done for generations is sit under a tree. You got a good heart. Like the children of Israel should have. You're an honest man. Nathaniel scratches his head and says, you don't even know me. I've never seen you before. Jesus said, I saw you under the tree. Saw you under the tree. Now Nathaniel's thinking. The only ones who knew that went on under that tree is me. Because nobody was there. I was by myself. And of course, God. And there was a secret between just me and God. How do you know? And then Nathaniel realized, you must be God. Two sentences. Behold an Israelite, an honest man, I saw you under the tree. Two sentences and Jesus has captured Nathaniel's heart just like that. Now they're all going off together. My friends, I want you to understand what John is saying. Jesus came to make friends. He came to build relationships with people. Relationships in which there is no stress. No stress. He's easy to be with. He's sort of like a Pied Piper. He can't help but follow him. He's pleasant to be around. My friends, listen to me well. Jesus hasn't changed. There is still no stress in being his friend. No stress. The whole reason he came to earth was to build relationships with people that he already loved. John would write those very words in one of his epistles. We love him because he first loved us. And to be honest with you, when I think about this and I think about myself, sometimes I think that is astounding. That Jesus really likes me. That's astounding. Now, Uncle Ed liked me. He didn't be mind being around an obnoxious teenager. <laughs> Matter of fact, he seemed to enjoy it. 
And I, at that age, thought that adults can't stand me. And they probably couldn't, probably for good reason. But he, he wasn't like that. So I was naturally attracted to him. And it stuns me to think that Jesus likes to be with me. He likes me. I enjoy his company. Nowadays, people like to talk about toxic relationships, right? That's the buzzword. Do you have any toxic relationship? I invite you to a stress-free relationship with Jesus of Nazareth. Yes, John the Baptist said, he's the son of God. Wow. But you're bound to like him. (laughs) He's easy to be around. He's easy to be with. What a pleasure he is to know. I hope you'll get to know him. May God bless you as you make friends with Jesus. Reminds me of a little song we sang when we were kids. I still like to sing it. Some songs get labeled as a child song, but they're much more than that. And we used to sing, Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak. But he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. And that's what John was telling us in chapter 1. That Jesus was like nobody you ever met. You just couldn't help but like him. Shall we pray? Dear Heavenly Father, help us to recognize you for who you are, a charming, delightful person, one that wins us over with a sentence, with a word, with a nickname, calls us to be friends. We get this in our heart, make it ours, What a difference it would make in our life to know that we always have a friend and there's no stress between him and us. We thank you for that gift, the kindness that you show, and the graciousness that's so evident in everything you do. Bless us as we get hold of you and cling on to you with all of our hearts. We ask it in Jesus' name, amen. Closing, I'd like you to turn your hymn books, if you will. Hymn number 97, Jesus is all the world to me. Stand together with us, page number 97. Jesus is all the world to me. My life 
grateful that you are our friend, that you have longed to be with us, that you have asked, that you have loved us first. Though we are sinful in our hearts, you have loved us. Though we have turned our backs on you, you have loved us. We know there is nothing that can separate us from the love of God. May we turn back. May we know and accept that you are the Son of God. May we follow you from this point. May we see that love, that wondrous love, the love we cannot understand. Go after it. We know that you are easy to be with and that you have given us that opportunity to come and be with you and have eternal life and eternal joy because you are our friend. We know that you did the ultimate sacrifice as a friend laying down your life for his friend. Thank you that you have done that great sacrifice for us. May our hearts be ready to receive you. May we long for a relationship, a deeper relationship with you each and every day. Thank you for all these things you've given to us. For these friends in this place, may we share the friendship of Christ with those and with others in our lives. Protect us and be with us. Put your hand especially on us that we may know that you are near to us. May we have a good week this week. Come back to this place to worship you again. In your name, amen.